Hey, what's good, people? This is the Option Podcast. This is episode 198. This man looks like Phil Escott. But it can't be, because he's in Great Britain and I'm here. But let's find out. Let's just hang, hang in there. The episode starts right now. That you talked to, to Stephen Thomas about. I bring your attention to your uh, one of your most recent podcasts. I think it was three episodes ago. Quite an interesting individual, right? Can we... I'd like to give you the floor because I've been I've been rambling on for quite some time and I'd like you to talk to us about like the lifestyle he led um, as an athlete that and the diet that was prototypically acceptable, right? Like, oh, he's eating five times a day. He's, he's you know, he's carb loading at night he's doing all those things. What was the transition? What? It's, it's a weird question and it's a loaded question and I'll definitely give you the floor and, and allow, allow you to parse through it. But some people say a lot of the things that happen to him come to age, come with age, and some people call it genetics, some people call it bad luck. I'm going to give you the floor, but because I, I want you to take us through the journey of what he was doing as an, this elite athlete and what changed and, and how he needed to come back from that. Is that cool? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know that too much of, of, of the real ins and outs of exactly what he was doing, because, but I mean, he, he was following pretty much the the playbook wasn't he you know mm -hmm. this is this is what you do you need to carb up you need to do that kind of thing and this is this is what you know the only source of energy that that is uh viable for the human body in sport and all the major sporting athletes you know they they all eat carbs i, I get it all the time you know and this vegan athlete and that one when they go when they go vegan for five minutes and shout about it and then they don't shout when their performance tanks and that kind of thing and they leave veganism and they never attained that on veganism anyway but i mean side note into veganism but you know stephen's story i think it's 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 pretty similar to 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 many people who have then had some kind of health issue that they've needed to, that has woken them up and it's become more important than their athletic ability and so then they've got to they've got to relearn everything. I mean, I was never an athlete in the real sense of things. I had a gym and I used to train and got pretty big and whatever, but I still had a load of niggling issues and, you know, joint issues that were starting. And I, I just, I, I didn't realize because, you know, oh yeah, this is something I've done in a gym, something like that, you know? And, and, and I think Stephen's wake up call is pretty much the same as, as, as all of us who have been into some kind of performance, some kind of sport or whatever that, that you know when it gets too much for you and and these little these little niggles you know these little symptoms and whatever they build up and they back up and eventually the lucky ones of us get sick enough you know so i call uh, my book arthritis is the best thing that ever happened to me because i'd never have woken up to this stuff if i hadn't got that sick i'd have just accepted as you said these sort of things that come with age and blah 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 but when you know, it's it's a it's a difficult thing, really, I think, for number one, for any athlete to accept the fact that they can run on fats. And it's also more difficult because somebody who's reason, reasonably sedentary, they can they can adapt to fat burning much quicker than an athlete because, you know, the, the body does demand that glucose when it's been addicted to it. And so when you go onto a ketogenic or carnivore diet 
you will get a dip in performance. And then people say, oh, I couldn't get the performance, blah, blah. But if you're willing to go through that time, that sort of dip, you know, there are a lot of people out there now <clears throat> who, you know, who are uh, going keto or carnivore. In fact, some coaches, I understand, are, are keeping it kind of secret because it's such an edge when somebody does get properly adapted. And I think I think as somebody, all blacks have gone kind of carnivore or keto anyway mm -hmm. heard about that and and you know you look at the people say oh well you know it's only for explosive things or you'll run out of energy well what about zach bitter who broke the 100 mile ultra marathon thing and he hardly has any carbs at all he's full-on carnivore when he's not training i think he has a little tiny bit you know when he goes and does 100 miles but usually he'll just take um some water you know and everybody else is stopping for these gels and whatever but uh, yeah, it's 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 a huge thing to discover and totally against everything we've been taught. But um, that is how humans performed and ran after animals for miles and miles. And that's what they did in our ancestry. So, you know, it's not so mad as it seems, eh? No, it isn't. And I would also suggest that there are other things like I, I like to keep it on nutrition, but I saw this weird thing um, on 60 Minutes, how... There are people in other countries that are like running 50 miles without without shoes. It's about landing on, not landing on your heels. You know, it's about the arch to heel connection, how you land or whatever. And basically, like a lot of the sneakers I sell today, uh, because they don't trust us as human beings to run right, they give us sneakers that have heels on our cushion. But because of the way the sneakers designed, it's designed to bang on your heels more. Right, as opposed to balls of your feet, heel push off, balls of your feet again. Right, uh, and they were doing a study on like African, um, well, African runners, like elite athletes, some of those people that are winning, like the, the you, you notice you see like Ethiopia, and <laughs> you look at the Olympics, right, and you'll see like Ethiopia first, second, and third place just leading, just leading the pack, right, and you got some your Eastern European and the American making sure uh, the rest of the pack isn't being followed, right. <laughs> They're at the end. And they did this study on people that lived in between Lima and, and Machu Picchu, Peru. Same thing. A lot of Aztec Indian guys. Guy was like, all right, sorry about that. Guy was like 70 years old and running like 50 miles, you know, yeah. and, and no sneakers. And this Harvard guy that did the study actually has a group that he runs with every morning uh, um, with um, something called tough socks. You know, they have like heel heel thing heel abrasive things but allow you just to run so and i didn't i didn't mean to go too much into the physio away from the nutrition but i understand you run a gym and i understand that you're very learned on that as well you know i think you you guys like us if we hang around bart k enough you're gonna learn a thing about exercise physiology as well correct <laughs> yeah yeah well Bart bart's bang on about that stuff isn't he i mean i haven't run a gym since 1999 but right. yeah yeah but now i mean i i feel very weird even in any shoes with any heels at all mm -hmm. i don't like I, I've got plenty of pairs of shoes now that are pretty much those barefoot shoes. And and also, you know, um, as much as I can, I go barefoot. Yeah. And I, I barefoot when I play the drums, usually, unless it's really freezing or really disgustingly dirty venue <laughs> or something like that. In which case, I, I have some kind of barefoot shoes that I'll wear to play the drums. But yeah, we one of one of the big things, you know, what one of the big wrong turns in human history, I think along with um, farming, putting sunscreen on, that kind of thing, was wearing shoes. Because not only does it do something to you structurally, but you're also not grounded anymore. These rubber-soled shoes and mm. 
You know, yeah, it's kind of weird. Be in touch with the earth. And they're, they're, I think people are catching up on that and they're making shoes that are a little bit better. I'm not saying that it's a cold turkey cure, but I'm glad that they're giving its interpretive notice. And I guess for a price, you can get the right kind of shoes, you know, to, um, to, to help alleviate or maybe in reverse that process. Me, me as an indoor coach, when I coach indoor, I have sneakers untied, you know, and I'm not, I'm coaching, so I'm not doing a lot of heavy activity. And um, I know on the beach, the beach is obvious. I just don't wear sneakers, right? I'll wear, I'll wear um, tough, tough socks for some of the solar, you know, that reflects off the sand. Some of those hot days where you're kind of ouching through the sand. But I, but I, we have something called tough socks, which are good for um, cold weather sand and hot weather sand. It's excellent. Uh, tough socks, guys. T U F F S O X. So beach volleyball players order a pair is twenty bucks. It's only good for like four or five twenty, four or five tournaments, but. Think about all of the bull sugar that you spend your money on. You could do worse for 20 bucks. All right. That's good for four tournaments. Buy another pair, three pairs. You're good for the whole season for your run of the mill beach players. Um, you, the reason, the other reason why I brought up Stephen Thomas, you guys were talking about um, coronary artery counts. And um, first of all, how do you, how, how do you, how does a coronary artery count get up to even get up to 639? You know, because <laughs> uh, uh, um, I remember you said someone was up to 639. And I remember, um, what's his name? Went to 266 to 16. Oh, that was you, 266 to 16, right? I've, I've never had a, I've never had one. I mean, I only just had a scan one time and they said, oh, you've got some calcification right. in your arteries. And that was years ago and it's all gone now. So can you? Can you explain to uh, my California kids and my 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 um my my lazy guys from Brooklyn what what that is and how and how it happens? Right. Um, well, you know the traditional um, well not traditional but the modern ridiculous um, view on it is that you eat a load of saturated fat and then you get a cholesterol buildup in the arteries. This is obviously nonsense. It, 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 we've done that. We've eaten saturated fat, animal fats and whatever since the dawn of time. And we didn't have any of those problems. So it's clearly not that. Um, what happens is when you eat too many inflammatory foods, whether it's particularly seed oils, I mean, they're horrific. They're the worst things humans have ever uh, consumed. I mean, they were invented as, um, as, as machine lubricant and soap making additives. And somebody persuaded us that they were heart healthy. Right. Which was so exactly around the time that, that all the major amounts of heart disease came in. Now, um, heart attacks were pretty much unknown um, a couple of hundred years ago. People just didn't have them. And now it's kind of the leading cause of death, pretty much. Um, so what happens is when you take in inflammatory foods, which are most of the ones that we're told are really healthy, like, you know, seed oils, whole grains, all that kind of thing and all the processed junk that we eat, this creates inflammation on the wall of the arteries. Right. And the, uh, the, the, the plaque buildups, these sort of buildups of cholesterol or whatever in the arteries are not the problem. They are the paramedic at the car crash. They're not the cause of the crash. That is the body trying to patch up the damage within the artery to you know, help you to, to heal it. It's in a panic. The body can't work against you. If it's doing that, it needs to do it. The, but then they put you on a statin that brings down cholesterol. So it can't even go and fix it. And then you get Alzheimer's and whatever. I mean, statins are the biggest con since the, you know, well, 
the recent um, nonsense that they've been putting into us over the past and couple we, of And years. we can have a competition on side effects of that, of, of those statins too, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they do all kinds of things. I mean, they just break up different pathways in the body. All these drugs do. They All, all they ever do is get rid of symptoms. Some of the symptoms are not actually bad symptoms in the first place. And in getting rid of any symptoms, they're blocking a pathway in the body that is natural and needed. So the problem is that, that you know, the body is rebelling against all the carbohydrates that it's told to eat. And so it creates this inflammation and that then the body goes and patches it up. If you then go on to a, um, a, a keto or a carnivore diet, People are reducing these coronary artery calcium scans. You know, they're going down to naught. Or people, some people don't even know what they had before. But nobody's piling on um, a load of um, calcium, a load of deposits in the arteries by going carnivore, even though they tell us that that's the thing that's going to cause it. So I think there's been some studies recently, and I can't remember. But if somebody looks on Sean Baker's channel or um, Ken Berry's channel or whatever, they'll find them talking about this recent study that really just blows up all of this bullshit it was pseudoscience in the first place um just based on some very biased research by a guy called ansel keys who was i believe paid sixty four thousand dollars to um say that um animal fats or whatever saturated fat caused heart disease and not sugar and he was paid off by the sugar industry and so for those sixty four thousand dollars this dude's probably killed more people than anyone <laughs> in wow. history his de facto piece 15 pieces of silver if you were right and, exactly. uh, and yeah, at the yeah. time at the time he got paid just to draw a picture for everybody sixty four thousand dollars was in fact a lot of money <laughs> yeah, right? yeah I mean, still still not in not enough for me to murder <laughs> half of the world <laughs> no well that's blood money or cashier's check right for this guy he can care less right so yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's weird because money will do that right like i had an argument with my significant other about um a drug that she she has that's not i mean the insurance is being funny and now she has to pay like a lot of money for it and she's upset at the insurance company but i'm like what about the pharmaceuticals you know who knows can help people but they're just trying to maximize as much as they can right it's, i'm like these people don't have they're not they don't have uh, your best interest in mind money for their investors is, is their priority right so so it's one of those things where she said um um well every company is like that every company makes money for their investors and i just kind of got upset i didn't mean to get upset at her but i got upset like you're trying to tell me that you're going to compare pharmaceuticals to other companies that are <laughs> whose priorities to make money. I mean, to what end, right? Because what you just said, this guy that took money, all right, the, to say something's healthy is something that big pharma is doing all the time. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I can't remember the drug, but if they push through a drug that they, if, if, a pharmaceutical company, hypothetically, because I ain't trying to get in trouble here. If if a pharmaceutical company pulls pushes a drug through that they know can hurt people, but and they they ask their risk management person how much would we lose in a class action suit? He'll say like 155 million. Let's just say that. But they ask how much are the profits the first two years, and it's 21 billion. It's to them, it's money well spent. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say that all big pharma doesn't care about people i mean I, I can make that leap we do we do have enough historical evidence for us to be comfortable saying that right do you agree um but yeah. all i'm trying to say is that 
they don't all you, you gotta do you gotta do some research and my day we're the same age doing your own research is called reading <laughs> okay and that's not i know that's not a very popular thing to, to do right now uh question about the coronary uh, um artery count thing is that done through blood work or is that determined through um just just because i don't uh, i'm learn i just learned no, a lot it's, about it's, this. it's an actual scan as far as i know oh, i mean okay. i i've never had one but I, I do see a lot of people talking about it mm. and they go for these scans because they get frightened you know oh i'm on a carnivore diet maybe i'm going to get heart disease or or they just do it just to have another another person say hey look mine's zero yeah you know now for you because of your line of work I, I we know business is booming because people want to get better and you have a pattern of making them get better so what i'd like to do is take the time and call this young lady her name is melissa lim and you're going to be able to hear her and i will headset so she can hear you um so hi phil um so i learned about you when i watched jason's podcast about two years ago and um I was never someone to, you know, go on diets or anything. Um, I didn't even know who you were <laughs> when I watched it because I thought this was a volleyball related podcast. Uh, that's who he's talking to. Um, but I listened to the podcast. I got really interested in it. Um, I circled back um, and watched Jason's podcast with Bart K also. Um, so after watching those two podcasts, I, you know, got interested in carnivore. Um, you know, again, I'm not someone who looks to diet at all i mean i didn't think i needed it you know i'm not i don't consider myself overweight um but you know as you get older you you obviously can't eat everything that you think you can and um so i tried it out for i said i would try it for a month and you know i did notice a difference like mental clarity was there you know i had, had a lot more focus you know i probably lost about 10 pounds um, you know, right, right now I'm about 120. Yeah. She's 20, tiny. So that's like 10% of her weight, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not obese, but, um, you know, with not even just the weight and the, you know, the having feeling that I have more confidence, um, you know, it just kind of clicked. Um, but also like, for example, like, I think my acne cleared up, you know, I had some dermatologic, you know, conditions like eczema that, I mean, I never had to treat again. Um, you know, th those things were manageable by, you know, medication, steroids and stuff. But, um, you know, that's, that's, those are the things that I noticed that made a big difference and got me into believing that there is something here, even, even though it sounded kind of way off base, like this is what I'm doing. I'm going to eat meat only <laughs> and not eat carbs, not eat vegetables, <laughs> you know, no sugar. Um, you know, in hindsight, I don't think I was, well, I mean, obviously I didn't have a, you know, a crippling, debilitating chronic condition, like how, how Phil had, yeah. um, but I just feel that it's just wanted, I want to make people more aware of that. You don't need to be entirely sick to realize that, you know, you can, you can be better. You can improve your life. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell, what you know, what my experience was with that. Cool. Phil? I'd, that's lovely to hear, Melissa. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. 
Yeah, that's lovely to hear. I'm I'm really honoured. You know, it's so lovely when you when you hear back from people that you haven't even met. You know, that you've helped them out. It's lovely. It, it such so rewarding, so rewarding. And and yeah, we all thought it was insane at one time. I mean, you know, I used to write books on plant based eating, and we, we all thought it was nuts at one time, and come to it out of kind of desperation when you're that ill. But now, you know, people who are a little bit brighter than me, like you and uh and come to it without being so crippled is great but yeah it's it's obvious what's going on there you know things come out through the skin because the the liver gets over but overburdened by too many plant foods carbohydrates whatever and then the, the skin is one of the other major organs of detox so stuff will come out through the skin you'll get acne and then the eczema is more of a leaky gut sort of autoimmune thing but this fixes either one and uh it, yeah it is amazing i mean people go well what would you do for this disease what would you do for that one is carnivore okay for this thing or that thing and i loved ken berry put out a um like a, a little meme a while ago and it was take away carnivore diet and just put proper human diet proper ancestral human diet so is the proper ancestral human diet good for thyroid condition or what that sounds a bit silly then doesn't it because of course it is. We've just been brainwashed and forgotten what it is that we're supposed to eat. So it's lovely to be a little part of bringing people back to to realizing that. And I'm, I'm delighted to hear your story and well done. Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, and then, you know, just to give a little bit of background of information about me, um, you know, so I'm a pharmacist by practice. So, um, you know, I see a lot of <laughs> drugs. Cool. That wasn't funny. Sorry. <laughs> no, but I mean... You know, so I do have some base knowledge, but obviously, like in school, they never really taught us about nutrition either, you know, and I think it's just, you know, guidelines, you know, you hear like, oh, low fat, um, you know, eat more vegetables, like that's what everyone's so ingrained in right now, it's like. And grains, and grains, and whole grains. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, that's that's what I thought would help, you know, for example, my husband had a high LDL, maybe three years ago and and what did i say i said oh maybe you should low fat eat a low fat diet right i mean that just seems like that's what everyone says but you know if you peel away the layers and do a little more research you know watch watch more podcasts like you know bills about where nutrition guidelines came from and the origin of that um then you realize like everyone's just taught wrong yeah and high high ldl is great there is no such thing as bad cholesterol it's in the body to help us it gets out of balance as the doctors think because you know we're, we're eating the wrong diet but it's still trying to help us and then as long as if anyone's out there going oh this is blasphemy ldl is the bad cholesterol no it's not if you're if you get if you get a cholesterol test and your your triglycerides are lower or or even with your hdl then it doesn't matter where the LDL is. It's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. And it's all transporting nutrients around the body. And it, it's funny, you know, how we get taught this. It's just as as the practice nurse at my local GP surgery actually said when she saw my LDL was up and I said I was on carnivore. She said, oh, that's fine. As long as you're on a high, high fat diet, the LDL can be as high. She said all these levels are just to con to sell statins. And I thought, whoa. <laughs> You know, and this was from the nurse at the practitioner at the local GP. And she went, oh, yeah, yeah, a load of us are realizing that now. And I think that's great.
I think I'd like to have an em emphasis on what Melissa was talking about. Like some, we don't know any better, right? Like as yeah. when I'm, I'm, you're growing up as a kid, right? At some point they're like, they're telling you too much sugar is bad, right? So I'm like, fine, I'll eat bread then, <laughs> right? So because, <laughs> right? Because when you're, when you're growing up, right? You think sugar is something that's sweet to your tongue and not realizing that like uh, certain, certain carbs as far as, uh, uh, where where things show up on the glycemic index and blood sugar and all that stuff is ridiculously high right who knew that that pancakes were lower <laughs> one of the lower things as far as carbs are concerned right who knew that bananas and dates and pineapples were the highest you know as yeah. far as fruits go and stuff like that so that was something that melissa uh touched on a little bit that i wanted to joke around and have fun with melissa well, the, the, yeah, there is there is no required carbohydrate for the human body. And the, also the other thing to get into, you know, which a lot of people don't realize is. Hold on, hold on one sec, Melissa. Go ahead again. Uh, um, go ahead again, um, Phil. Sorry, then I'll get yeah, you. Yeah, just, just, just that there is no, you know, there's no required carbohydrate for the human body. We don't need any, none at all. And um, the the when you get into the area of plant toxins, and then you realize just how toxic some of these vegetables are that are told we're told are superfoods. You know, I've fallen foul of that and had kidney stones from juicing spinach. And it, they're very, very toxic. And like my friend Anthony Chafee says, if anybody's watching this, just put in uh, Anthony Chafee in a video called Plants Are Trying to Kill You. And he goes right into plant toxins. I mean, 136 known carcinogens in an organic Brussels sprout. You know, and 60 oh, in the I'm, least. I'm in trouble, 60, boy. 60 Ooh. in the least toxic veg. You know, you just don't really need any of those things. You don't want them in your diet. Melissa, go ahead. Okay. I mean, I, I was just getting at, you know, sugar is highly addictive. I, I mean, I can speak for myself that I, you know, grew up with a sugar addiction. I, I can still struggle with it now because, you know, say, for example, like, I'm not as strict of a carnivore as, you know, I could be. Um, you know, it's just really hard if you're going to go eat out or, you know, what have you. But, um, you know, if I say, oh, I just want to eat like one small piece of chocolate, like I'm getting a craving, you eat one, you'll end up eating 10 of those. Um, so, you know, the sugar, sugar addiction is real. And just the fact that, you know, the way food is processed, it's either got hidden sugars or else like, you know, there's a nice bakery, you know, down the street where, you know, <laughs> which is just carbs and sugar. I mean, obviously, you know, it's not good for you, but it tastes so good. <laughs> that, that's one of the struggles that I, you know, feel sometimes. So, you know, just speaking of a someone who's been, you know, trying to be carnivore for two years, but can, you know, is willing to break it. I know, I know you don't want to hear that, but, you know, I'm just a lay person trying to, you know, be the best and healthiest that I, mean, I can be. We 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 are yeah, all we're all good. sugar addicts. Yeah, we're all we're all carb so addicts. You know, honestly, it's 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 nothing to worry about. We we run the big fat challenge, and we get people, you know, going through from all starting points, and 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 everybody's got a sugar addiction to some extent. And and the most addictive things are the mixture of sugars and fats, which never occur in nature except in breast milk, and maybe in nuts a bit you know around the autumn to put a bit of fat on for the winter but these things are so addictive if you think of any food that's addictive you know chips or or, or as you call them fries don't you you know the uh, crisps that we have here which you call chips 
um, pizza, ice cream, chocolate, any of this stuff is a mixture of carbs and fats. Never happens in nature. And not only that, but the corporations don't just give you something like berries and cream, <clears throat> which would be addictive enough, which is a mixture of carbs and fats, but they'll give you grains and seed oils, seed which oils, is just yeah. the worst thing. I mean, there is nothing worse on the planet as an example of a toxic substance to eat than a donut. I mean, it's 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 grains fried in seed oils and then covered in sugar. And you're like, it doesn't get worse than that. It's just pure, pure toxin. And they get us addicted. And that is the most addictive thing, that mixture of carbs and fats. Yeah, I um, I got a cosign on that. And I did a little historical research on seed oil. And it was created in 1768 or something like that. And I found it really, really weird. If like, like if you look at, there was a correlation of average lifespan from 1768 all the way up to 1861 because a lot of my favorite composers I, I was studying I'm like why is this guy like 27 years old <laughs> and he looked like George Washington right <laughs> he got white hair you know uh, so and I wonder I'd like to look deeper into it anyone listen to the podcast if there's a correlation from when seed oil was invented and and if there was an altering in average lifespan for the hundred years of 1768 to 1868 uh, shoot me a message let me know I know correlation is not causation but correlation definitely uh, uh, gives you a curious they ear. Didn't, they, they didn't really eat them back then. They were invented quite a while ago as, as a machine lubricant. But I mean, it all started with Crisco. And I think that was like 1910, wasn't it? Something yeah. like that. For like Ford and engines then, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was, it was, it, Crisco was, was the first sort of time, uh, time when they brought it in as something that would, people were actually supposed to eat. Right. Because they brought in the the kind of um, <clears throat> petrol sort of lubricants, oil based, mm -hmm. you know, fossil fuels, as we call it. But we won't, won't go down the rabbit hole whether they are fossil fuels or not. Okay, There's right. another <laughs> rabbit hole. But, Melissa but, you know, saved this podcast, basically. She doesn't know yeah, it. Yeah. She doesn't know what we were talking <laughs> about before she got on. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever they were. Yeah, but, you know, that that came in. And so those seed oils that they were making, right. so vegetable oils. Uh, then they had to find out something to do with them, so they decided oh, to um, they they decided to to feed them to humans, and that's when the heart disease epidemic really escalated. Right, Melissa, what were you saying before? Oh, I, I was just saying that. Yeah, I mean, as a child, I think you know my parents only cooked with vegetable oil, like corn oil. Um, you know, not a lot of you know animal fats like butter or ghee. And I think that also contributed to a lot of my like my skin issues. Um, so I mean, it's not just you know that you're eating meat, but you're also eliminating, you know, your the highly processed food, you know, foods that contain a, a lot of sugar. I mean, you know, it's that combination also, right? You're eliminating, you know, those those bad vegetable oils that, you know, they say are like healthy for you, or you know, that almost every restaurant cooks with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I gotta agree with that. Go ahead. I, I always say, I always say that it, you, you know, meat, meat doesn't heal anything. That's just our food. It's taking away the other stuff, right? You know, like Anthony Chafee says, it, it is quite amazing that ninety-five percent of the benefits come when you drop the last five percent of the plants. Right. It is amazing when you get get rid of those last little bits of veg. You know, for the serious conditions. 
That's yeah. when they usually reverse. Dude, Brussels sprouts is always going to be my challenge, man. Dude, I just, when you said Brussels sprouts, I'm like, what did I have last night? Yeah, yeah. I'm like a dork. <laughs> so They're horrible, man. The only use for Brussels sprouts <laughs> is to wrap them up in, in candy wrappers and yeah. give them to kids at trick or treating. If there's just to any... wind them up. Yeah. They're just disgusting things. That'll if... make you fart. Your if... body tells you it doesn't want them. <laughs> if there's anything I love nine o'clock at night, it's cabbage patch abortions. Okay, I got it. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> Melissa, um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get out of here off this uh, off the phone, but I wanted to let you know that you 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 are uh, basically dictated what's gonna come first on this podcast. Everything we talked about before, we're gonna put at the end, so 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 we can fly under the YouTube radar. Basically, we were talking about. Uh, some of the health issues that happened during the pandemic and some of the approaches and why we agreed and disagreed with the way um, it was handled and this and that. And there's no real, if you listen to me or him enough, you know, there are a whole not, not a whole lot of spoiler alerts in regards to that. Okay, Melissa, we, uh, we're out of here, young lady. Okay. Okay. I, I just wanted to ask you really quick. Did, did you tell Phil how I met you? That, that story? I know. You yeah, we, um, we um I might have said that before the podcast, but yeah, she came up to me in Huntington Beach and she said she follows my podcast. So I'm like, all right, she looks like she's in shape. <laughs> right? She she um she obviously plays. She's Asian, so I assume she has a really good skill set and she's got serve receive and, and defense. <laughs> so but then she starts talking about Phil Escott and I'm like, wait. That was my guy. That, that was the guy that came on after Bart K that everybody liked, right? <laughs> like Bart K was informative, but uh, and you you both were, but you were more beloved because um, I think you talk here on this level where sometimes Bart K for his character, right? For the character has like has to be up here. It's a character and, and it's unapologetic. And and I and I listened to him. I listened to him two days ago. Tear up. Um, in fact, I posted it. Right? You uh, remember? Um, was it Doctor Rogers? Just tore up oh, a wow. vegan. Yeah. We, ain't, we ain't gonna get into a vegan versus carnivore thing unless you want. But man, he he tore him a new one on, on on that one. Well, he's 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 had a go at me as well because I I left some comments and he's now called me the the Hulk Hogan of 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 carnivore trolls on his channel. That's that's awesome. He does know that's a compliment, right? Absolutely, I love it. Yeah, Hulk yeah. Hogan. I was that's happy f- with that one. Hell yeah! No, I love. He's Bart. too I stupid to know it's not an insult. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Bart. Bart is a good friend of mine, and 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 I love him. And and that that really was a beautiful takedown of veganism. But listen, but Melissa's face is clean. Like- There's no acne. Her face is Brilliant. clean. She looks terrific. Um, I think I hung out. We hung out the whole weekend. You came all three days, Melissa. Um, yeah, I think you left. I, I I don't think you were there on Sunday, but we definitely yeah. hung out for a couple days. Yeah, my team and, lost. And like, <laughs> I just found that. You know, it was important for me to talk to you, Jason, or like, I, I I wanted to do that in person, right? I didn't want to send you, you know, some random like text or whatever through a social media thanking you for introducing me, you know, to this, yeah. this life. As good looking as she was, that could have went another way, but go ahead. Just to say like, hey, Jason, and I, and I knew you would be in California, right? Yeah. To at an AVP event. So, you know, it took about a little over a year to do that but um you know it meant a lot to me <laughs> and you know i'm, I'm sure you, you you told me you were touched about that i'm gonna f- freaking you know, cry that's what that's what's up and if someone told me i would be speaking to phil escott 
you know, as a result of that, I mean, I, I wouldn't have have expected that at all. So, you know, I, yeah. Well, I I wanted you to talk to Phil because of the way you made me feel when you said that to me. Uh, this is Huntington Beach for my volleyball peoples. I was there because Jeff Samuels and Rafi Paulus made the main draw. Um, I'm Jeff Samuels' coach, so I, I didn't even think he's going to qualify. So so this is a teaser for everyone else to laugh at. So I had practice, and I'm like, Jeff, do you want to sing karaoke tomorrow? And he's like, no, I'm playing. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I made it in the draw. I'm like, yeah? He's like, you're coaching, right? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> So that's what I was doing there, Melissa. I was on center court. We had to play Triborn and came shot first. But the reason why I put Phil on the on the line with you is because the way you made me feel um, and the work I'm trying that the podcast is more than just volleyball, as you know, and then the work I'm trying to do and, and all the obstacles you weave across just to hear someone say, hey, you know, yeah. Uh, um, you change a lot of things. You inspired me. Keep up the good work. And I thought if I felt that way, I'm like, how would Phil feel? How would Phil feel if she told that? If you told that to Phil yourself, and that's why I arranged the meeting of the minds. Yeah, and that, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's right. just lovely. Thanks, right. thanks so much for telling your story there. That's, yeah. That's lovely. And you rescued us from our, we were in rabbit hole hell, just telling all kinds of truth before you got on. So, so we're secretly thanking you. So listen, thank you so much for calling. And um, we're gonna, we're actually going to finish up because I have two more questions for this guy. But Melissa, say, say bye to, um, to Phil. Uh, bye, Phil. Yeah, it was great to talk. Nice. Uh, Phil. Yep, go ahead, Phil. Bye, Melissa. All right, cool. Nice. So this is a testament to how good I am teching my show. Normally, when you plug the phone in, Phil, right, the sound automatically goes to the video switcher, right? So she can hear you and you can hear her and there was no sound. So I'm like, all right, let me grab a mic. And then there's an extra headset so she can hear you. And that's, yeah, what, yeah. I, and that's what I did for uh, – uh, um, thank you for being patient. But that was um, – speaking only for myself, that was important for me. Uh, and the podcast for us to hear that this is this is this is what the podcast is about i'm all over the place right i'm all over no, the place lovely. yeah lovely lovely to hear so let's talk about business business is booming right i wouldn't say so i mean it's <laughs> we're, we're doing a lot and and we're getting by but um you know it's the rheumatologists that uh, that uh, you know poison people and don't cure arthritis that get the proper money so far yeah and then we pick up the sort of scrag ends of the people who've woken up once they've destroyed them too much. But uh, yeah, no, we, we're, we're doing lots of stuff. I mean, the book's out now and that's just out in the last couple of days. And um, we're, we're doing all these events and it's wonderful to be doing those and having all these great speakers along and, uh, yeah. you know, getting uh, getting people actually live, you know, after all these stupid times that we've been separated from Amen. each other and all Amen. And, um, you know, that's lovely to do. And so we've got, you know, we've got one in the UK here in the Peak District. Um, this, uh, this, well, this Easter, over the Easter weekend with some wonderful speakers. There's me and Ben are speaking. We've got Sophia Clements from Paleo Medicina. We've got Stephen Thomas is speaking. We've got Richard Griffiths as well, who was the episode before on my podcast. Okay, but if you go to the the big fat challenge and click on events, I'll, I'll I'll send you something you know to put underneath, and you can go to my link tree, find all of these things. But 
the event. We got a wonderful one in Spain with Anthony Chafee and Natasha Campbell McBride, who wrote all the gaps, gut, gut and psychology syndrome books. Absolute genius. She's wonderful. And um, and Sophia Clements will be at that one as well. And that's like a whole week at a beautiful resort in Spain. You, you know, just hang out and have a load of carnivore food, swim in the pool, whatever. I mean, Anthony Chafee looks so amazing. I, I think I think probably we'll sell that one out with with all the the women wanting to come along and watch Anthony and his budgie smugglers around the pool, right? Yeah. Because Anthony's cool. yep. He's a lovely guy. And uh, yeah, we've got um, we've got uh, the our big fat challenge as well that we run, you know, which is uh, <clears throat> just so many resources. You can get the Red Pill Revolution book and the Red Pill book and audio book and everything in there. There's loads of questions and answers section everything everything in there that you need to uh to change that lifestyle and understand why even down to the sort of emotional stuff like the eft for getting rid of addictions and that kind of thing it's all inside there lots of uh courses and all kinds of things and then free well support on zoom you know where we do the calls and you can talk about diet lifestyle you can talk about all the tinfoil hattery and rabbit hole stuff too you know you get a lot of people who yeah. have been, been feeling very isolated during these last few years. You know, they're people, it's split families up, marriages, it's split friends up, it's done everything, you know. Some people are feeling very isolated, so it's nice to have that support. And that's the kind of thing that we're doing at the moment. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just excited about this. Go check this out. Yeah, Red show it again. You know. Let me do that again. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, Red Pill Food Revolution, available, Amazon, all over the place, whatever. Mm. But yeah, wonderful book. And it is, as it says in the end on the back, the book's also a story of hope, showing how through rediscovering our proper relationship with food, it's even possible for us to restore our health, our society, and even our place in the universe. Goes very deep. It's beautiful, beautiful book. Well done, Ben Hunt, my friend. Absolutely. Best writer I've ever met. It's fantastic. Beautiful wordsmith. So that's what we're up to anyway. Nice. Yeah. How many times a day? Like if someone's on a carnivore diet, like this athlete thing, we had this thing where you eat five times a day, right? Smaller yeah. portions. And, and they, they say it speeds up your metabolism. And um, um, I don't know if I, I was a placebo effect recipient, recipient of that, but I ended up losing 65 pounds doing that. It took a year. And but there were other lurking variables that that came into play the exercise the constant the activity the constant activity making sure i had some kind of meat every night i had veal you know i had lamb or i had red meat or whatever or occasionally the one with two the, the one with feathers and two wings uh, um salmon you know i understand salmon had a heightened level of omega-3 i don't know why that's good for you but I'm, my doctor told me it was but uh, my question to you is if someone's going on a carnivore diet how many times a day do they eat is it is it's it's i understand it's species of uh, um appropriate but what's what's quantitatively appropriate you eat when you're hungry and you stop when you're full it's that simple but that really does change when you're running on fats it's a whole different metabolism so when you're running on ketones and you have that i always like uh like to liken it to a, a fire and you put a log on and it burns really steadily mm -hmm. that's like fat metabolism but carbs, you throw a bit of newspaper on and it burns. Throw another one on, it burns and it's gone. And that's like the carb refeeding. You have to eat so many times a day. I think as a carnivore... And it's replaced by the might... next meal, right? Yeah. Like ahead. Yeah, yeah. Right. But, but you just, you have so much stable energy and it's so nutritious. 
without any of the anti-nutrients and plant toxins blocking the uptake. For example, you'd get more nutrition from a steak on its own than you would from the exact same steak with a salad. Because the salad has so many toxins and anti-nutrients, the body isn't taking up the nutrients from the steak properly. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that. Oh, I need my green veg on the side. No, just take it away. Throw it away. If you don't like it, it's crap. You never needed to eat it in the first place. Kids don't like it. They have good intuition. They're crap. My my youngest son, he's eight. He's never eaten a vegetable. Mm -hmm. He's the healthiest kid I've ever seen. Right. Um, now, if you, you just, a lot of people will eat maybe once or twice a day. I eat once or twice a day. I've eaten once today, but I wasn't hungry in the morning and I didn't eat till about two o'clock. So I won't eat again. I, I could eat now, but it's a bit late for me. I don't like to eat late at night, so I don't need to. I'll eat in the morning, maybe. And then tomorrow I'll probably eat twice. And then you never know the next day I might eat once or twice. But for right. me, it's once or twice. But a lot of people seem to get to that pattern of once or twice. That's all you need. Yeah. But if you want to eat more, eat more. It's it's just eat according to hunger. But you won't get so hungry so often as you do when you're on a carb-based diet. There's also less neurological addiction to, to to wanting more meat, where we we can't say the same thing about carbohydrates and this and that. I'm uh, you know, I'm from New York. I grew up a pizza head, right? I want a slice. You can't just have just one slice. Get out of here, right? You know the the, the Doritos commercial. You can't just have one chip. Yeah, you know, was that them? Was that them telling us <laughs> that we told you so? Was they that like a warning? <laughs> Yeah, it's the same as the Pringles ad, isn't it? Once you pop, you can't stop. And you eat these horrible things. I mean, you tried setting fire to one of those things, they burst into flames. It's full of seed oils, you know, toxic, horrendous things. Oh, set your Pringles you on able, fire. You shouldn't be able to set fire to your food. You know, it Some shouldn't happen. Now, something else I'd like to talk to you about, and we've been on for a long time, and I don't know if you have a hard stop, but I'm really just having fun. I wanted to talk about... Um, two things that people who are not carnivores uh have been making an argument about three things uh two of them were already covered on bart k's uh debate with rogers so i i figured we can use that as a as a as a launching point so one of them was teeth when rogers showed him like his teeth and bart bart didn't catch on right away and then he says oh whoa wait a minute are you trying to say that that our teeth are not species of, that meat is not species appropriate because of our teeth can we talk a little bit about that about uh, um dismissing some of the um the bro science behind that yeah well it, you know if anybody wants to go real deep into that if you look at my channel phil escott channel ben and i have done a whole presentation going through this ridiculous meme that vegans always send you about teeth and i think the video is called comedy science appreciation corner or something right but we go through the whole business about about human teeth and digestive system you know they go oh yeah we don't have the teeth to I mean, we've had tools for millennia we've had spears we you just look at a cave painting you can see what we did there's no broccoli in that there's no quinoa you know, there's none of that. We, we, it was one guy, one spear, one mammoth, you know, or a few guys. That's what we did. That's what we ate forever. And we are facultative carnivores. If you look at our digestive system, which is far more telling than our teeth, our digestive system is more like a hyena or something. It's more like a scavenger. It, it, for example, the, the, the pH, you know, is even more acidic than, than an obligate carnivore like a lion. We're totally adapted to meat. I mean, I've eaten nothing but meat for nine years. Now, 
if we weren't carnivores, I'd be dead. I'd at least have scurvy because everybody says, oh, vitamin C or whatever. There's easily enough vitamin C in meat. It's uh, the, the vitamin C competes with carbohydrates for the same pathway. So that's why nature puts more vitamin C in a berry because you need it when you're eating the sugar. Right. But nobody who goes fully carnivore and eats good meat gets ever gets scurvy. There's easily enough vitamin C in meat when you're not eating carbs. And so, you know, we are adapted to eating nothing but meat. And how sick I was when I went into it, into carnivore, it would have killed me pretty quickly if we weren't carnivores, right? And people go, oh, it's just an you, anecdote. Well, it's not an anecdote. Yeah, you wouldn't have lived in a year. You'd be, you would have been dead in a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you give a gorilla just steak, if, for a start, it might not eat it. But if you did nothing but steak, it would be dead pretty quickly because it is a true herbivore. It's a hindgut fermenter. It has a completely different digestive system to us. And, you know, it's it's a lot to go into about that. But I mean, you know, check out that video on, on my channel, Comedy Science Appreciation Corner. And we go through the whole thing, Ben and I. It's just absolute nonsense. Um, it was the, also the, Bart also pointed out that there was a type of fish that feeds on whales, dead whales. That, that actually has yeah, and yeah. it has no teeth. No teeth, yeah. And, and it's yeah. I mean, there's there's loads of, of, of examples out there that just yeah. show that this is. But when he right. showed his teeth, I, I was amazed. Like Bart looked like he was ready for everything. And then like five seconds later, he says, wait a minute. <laughs> you just showed me your teeth. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, we they all these vegans, they think that they've got this tremendous science and all this tremendous knowledge. But it, it, it really is very basic. You come off a standard diet. Most people who are vegan, it's their first experiment and bless them. They've got a really good heart and they think that they're saving animals when they're not, you know, because a vegan diet kills billions of animals, same as anybody who eats crops. And we know exactly how every argument's going to go. If I say that to a vegan, they go, oh, well, most of the crops are fed to animals. No, they're not. That nobody would eat crops. No, no animals would be even in CAFOs, in, in factory farms, if it wasn't for people who eat crops. Because... In, in, because the crops, when they're harvested, they take out the fuel oils, they take out the bits that are supposedly um, uh, edible to humans, and then they give the rest to the animals. So I would say that vegans are actually themselves responsible for factory farming, not me. I eat grass fed lambs and lamb and, and, I'm, looking and at, I'm looking at six different I'm, sites that say yeah, that's, I'm more, right I, now I that's supporting more, what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more vegan now than I've ever been. The most vegan thing on the menu is grass-fed beef and lamb. There it is. It doesn't do anything to the environment. It doesn't do it. But anyway, that's an aside. But it's just that we know every single move. I mean, I could see Bart in that interview mm -hmm. as as this guy was bringing up all this stuff. For a start, he was bringing up these ridiculous epidemiological studies that Bart knew better than he did. He didn't you know, see he it coming. Inside out. He didn't he, see it coming. And when Bart called him out on them, he's like, Bart said, look, you want to have a real conversation or you want to pretend I'm stupid here? Right. You want to pretend yeah, yeah. like you didn't yeah. think I would know that, you know, it, it was very, very impressive. No, yeah. they think they think that they have this science mm -hmm. and they don't. What they don't realize is that most carnivores, because we're so brainwashed, mm -hmm. we come to it as a last resort. We've tried every other diet. Mm -hmm. We're not somebody who's just decided, oh, look, I've seen a, a vegan propaganda film. And so I'm going to go vegan for the animals and all of that. And then they think that they know everything when these yeah. films are just propaganda. Yeah. Abe Lincoln put it on his but, Instagram account, right? Yeah. yeah go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they, you know, they think, they think that they've got this science and whether he's a doctor or not, Rogers, you know, 
and, and he'll come out with this stuff. And I, I could practically predict everything that he was going to say. Because and I've, predict I, the response. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and predict yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the response from, from a competent individual who, who was going to refute it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Bart is is much better on 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 the biophysics of everything than mm -hmm. than I am. He's he can go even deeper into it and really blow these guys up. But they don't know it. They don't realize it. Yeah. But I, if I have an argument with a vegan, which I'll sometimes do if I can be bothered, if I'm not busy that day, and they come up and start attacking me, I can I could write their side of the conversation as well. I know exactly where it's going to go. They've got a very limited uh, viewpoint on these things. And, and they always have the same set of things. And then they run out of, of uh, things to say. And then they get abusive every single time. They well, end up in caps, you, caps locks. Which is, at, you know. well, yeah, which is why when you said before, like the whole animals dying thing and the fact your farming thing is not connected, it really is. Because in an argument, sometimes uh, less competent debaters, I'm actually, a very, I'm, I'm an exceptional debater, but I'm from Brooklyn. We had to, okay? These guys are amateurs. Um, when someone's losing on the merits of the argument and they don't have a leg to stand on, you, you have to know that emotion and feelings come into play. The same person that comes into a in the argument saying facts don't care about your feelings, those that same person at the end of the argument is gonna be like, well, there's a moral thing, all those animals are dying in this and that, all right? And, and that is an argument that you, someone like you has to be ready for too. And you already mentioned it because it was one of the questions that you already knocked out. Um, there is more evidence to support, and I'm just looking on google right who's on the on the side of the vegan <laughs> who's not going to favor the carnivore just looking at uh, uh, uh six different sites that say more animals die for vegans than they do for people who eat meat so uh, it's up to them to decide what kind of animal oh, that's just a squirrel it's not as big as a cow that doesn't count right so there's always this moral thing oh it's a living thing a plant's a living thing oh but it's less of a living thing so they always there's always this this feelings thing that that allows them to shift the goalpost. Uh, um, where you're missing the goal, right? And it's that... a religion. It's a religion. It's an evil religion. I mean, if people think that it's only small animals, yeah, you got to murder all those. Well, right. <laughs> that's what the vegans say: murder. You know, it's murder is people, right? It's yeah. not animals. So, so, but so what? You, I'm, you, I'm, you, I'm supposed to raise my Google. IQ by eating gifted children because they're small. <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah, don't, exactly. they don't count. <laughs> no, but it isn't. It isn't. If you if you have a look and see how many deer and foxes and whatever are all ripped to bits, just Google deer caught in combine header there's some horrific things of them being so, sort of sucked ass first mm. into these things a far worse death than you'd ever have from a bolt gun you know yeah. when you're a cow and you're going to be made into steak yeah it's the the whole thing is is completely upside but this might you know if there's some vegan listening to this and it might it might say well people might anybody might be thinking oh they're vegan bashing no we're not i've, I've been vegan you know i i have i have tremendous respect for how they have great hearts and whatever and that but they've been caught up what i bash is veganism not vegans because i believe it's a, a very serious a very seriously evil method of control and we go through that in the red pill food revolution book you know Good. how the Good. elites have controlled us with plant-based diets for a long long time it's not a new while, thing while they're eating filet mignon yeah okay yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm part of a news corporation called Be Better Media, and um, uh, there's a three-person team. But during the holidays, I, they they left me by myself. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I'm I'm invited back. But I had a seven-minute monologue called "Not for Me, but for Thee," which I will send you later. 
Um, and it was about these people that are saying you should use your gas stove, you know, and then save electricity and worry about the climate, right? And where are they saying this? They're saying it at, at the World Economic Forum where they flew in a private jet. Like that one ride on the private jet is like 30 cars, okay? You, you got... Right. You got someone saying that you should wear a mask everywhere you go. But when she goes on vacation, she goes to Florida where there's no mask mandate. Right. So it's like, right. They want you to eat bugs. Right. But they eat freaking salmon and filet mignon. Right. So it's it's they don't want to give you welfare. Oh, you're entitled. Right. But but if the money that they bet on what Wall Street crashes, the, the, these people, they, you know, what I'm saying the, the government bails them out and they pay the loan back. But the taxpayers who paid into that loan, they don't get paid back. So so it's this eight minute monologue it started with volleyball you'll love it it's only eight minutes and it's worth i promise you're a busy man it's worth your time i'm in a suit i'd love to i'm wearing yeah. Ox i'm wearing oxford clothes for this one i'm all suited up and <laughs> and i have cool. my little thing like what do we do not from you know the little uh, um topic section so the, the third part of that argument and i'm uh, and before i get too old to even remember was he was talking about there was teeth right there was factory farming what else was there oh this is the most important thing before we go i need you to educate on on our, on our audience when people use the word study show i want you to give me two or three things that when someone's like i'd like um because when someone says study show they're just like all right boom they're not gonna they're not gonna say it you, you know what i'm saying we even have coaches volleyball coaches studies show oh, oh alexis you know uh, physiology shows this but when i started looking at the studies i'm like you're full of it dude so i want you to give my audience two or three things when someone says study show and they give you the study because they they know because they don't understand it you won't and you just have to because you don't understand it you have to take their word for it right which was not bad back in the old days right which you didn't know uh, or too lazy to know, or just in, in, in competently could not know. You trust, you have to put trust in the people that do. So let's start with a general, not mistrust, but I want to know more and educate myself. What are two or three things people look at uh, when they're looking, when studies show? Well, it's become a bit of a religion, hasn't it? <clears throat> I mean, people can't wipe their ass without a study these days of how to do it. It's It's ridiculous. It's taking away our intuition, our common sense, what what i'll use the diet studies really as, a, as an example because if you get you get these studies that show for example red meat causes cancer or heart disease or whatever if you actually look at the study people have been educated that red meat is bad so people who eat more red meat are also likely to have loads of other um bad habits that's well, right. Proper bad habits. Uh -huh. So they will be eating all the pizza. They'll be eating cereal for breakfast. They'll be eating loads of chocolate, all chips. They'll 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 be smoking. They'll be drinking sodas. They'll be you know all of this kind of thing will be going on. And so then they cut the meat out and they do a load of other things. They'll give up drinking. They'll give up smoking. They'll give up whatever. And and it shows that they have uh, an improvement in health, which they will do. This is called healthy user bias. Also, when they do these studies on on meat, causing all these awful complaints, they they actually do you know they count a pepperoni pizza as meat, right? Right. So I mean, what what is exactly going to be causing the problem there? Please pick a category, say, you know, right? No, but they're like, please pick a category, and there's no other category that's just red meat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I always say, don't blame the burger for the sins of the bun, because you go into McDonald's or something, and people eat McDonald's. 
I don't I don't uh, I don't recommend McDonald's at all. You know, I mean, you've got the seed oils that they cook the chips in the fries, rather. They've got the the the, the diet, the huge Coca-Cola. They've got the, the bun. They've got all of this crap and all the sauces with chemicals in. And they're blaming the one little thing in there. That is okay, which is the burger patty, right? Which is beef, huh. <clears throat> and that's the one thing that they're blaming for all these horrible health issues. Plus, it's epidemiology because people say, "Oh, it's just anecdotes." Oh, you've got better nine years carnivore, and all these other hundreds of thousands of people who are reporting these amazing reversals of disease when they eat nothing but meat. Oh, it's just useless anecdotes. Well, epidemiology is just a collection of anecdotes. Because you get people, as you say, trying to say it on a form, like, what have they eaten? How do they know how much broccoli they ate last year? <clears throat> and they probably lie anyway, because they think broccoli's healthy and I'll put a bit more in than I actually did eat when really I ate a load of pizza, yeah, right. you know, and all of that. So the, 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 it's it's not reliable information. And then they massage the data. Even then, it was absolutely marginal, like they had some study on bowel cancer or something from red meat. Oh, yeah, red meat causes bowel cancer. I've seen bowel cancer reverse when you eat nothing but meat. That's not what screws up your bowel. It's it's all the carbohydrates ripping it to bits like a Brillo pad going through there, you know. Wow. And so the all of this stuff that 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 comes out in studies. It's absolute nonsense because it is a collection of anecdotes and it's a collection of anecdotes of people who are probably lying and then put together by people who want who are employed to make it look like a certain thing. Yeah, they can you can do anything with statistics. Now, when you have a carnivore study, <clears throat> you see what they need to do is to get a vegan diet and a regular American diet and then um, a pure carnivore diet. And then they'll see some serious stuff. But there was a study that Harvard did recently. And it was a carnivore diet study. I've never seen a diet study show so many improvements to so many diseases. Yeah. No confounders either. <laughs> Not even a little bit of broccoli to blame all the good results on. I, yeah, I, I very much like how you said, don't blame the the burger for for the sins of the bun. That is a, that's something I think I'm going to use again. I also think that Bart was very, very good. And you are have been very good with making people understand that correlation studies are are interesting. And they they do a, a raise alarm bells to do more more studying like I'd like to know more. But people do have to know the correlation isn't causation. Right. I mean, he made a really cute joke and that was the joke I made about sunburn and um, um, was it sunburn and what? What was it? Ice cream? Sunburn and ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. And also one about um, the correlation between um, what's his name? Um, the actor <laughs> and his films and people drowning in swimming pools or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I remember just, that one too. Yeah. Nicholas, Nicholas Cage films. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, the joke for everyone listening is that if you're in Florida, right, and you're out in the sun, and you get sunburned, but you have ice cream that night, right, 
and um, you get burned even more. You have ice cream the next night, right? The, the, there's no co there's no logical connection between eating ice cream and sunburn, right? The, um, and this is where you said where the rubber meets the road, where you just use your common sense that a lot of th a lot of people have accepted as givens, and it, and a lot of things that we accept as givens that don't feel right. Maybe you just maybe just educate yourself. And this is one of those things where I'm telling people don't be afraid to read studies. They look terrifying. Right. They use a lot of medical terminology and you're like, well, my doctor says this and his doctor says that I'm just confused. I don't know what to do. The truth of the matter is you do know what to do. You just you just got to read. You just got to read. You got to challenge yourself. I'm not saying be brilliant. I'm not saying be an expert at that field. I'm just saying know enough to function as a mammal, because at the end of the day, um, if you don't want to educate yourself, you have to put your trust in people that are educated. And do you trust them? Well, you've got to who is educated because, you know, you say like people say to me, you're not a doctor. Who the fuck do you think you are? Right. You know, it's it's it is a compliment because doctors get probably or some of them no education in diet and some of them a couple of hours in the wrong diet, right. all this low fat stuff. So then they go, are you a doctor? How do you know what to eat? Well, I'm a human being, you know, who's who's been studying diet for 40 odd years and was wrong for 30. So how likely is it that a doctor is going to be to figure out what we're actually supposed to eat? Right. With yeah. Two hours yeah. education in the wrong diet. Mm -hmm. And then people go to them for dietary advice and they just, you know, you'll get some overweight doctor telling you to eat low fat food. And it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. So yeah. you might you might as well go down to the laundrette or something to, to get dietary advice as go down to your doctor. You probably get a better one anyway. Yeah, it's 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 not something that they're an expert in at all in, mm. in their seven years of learning to be a legalized drug dealer. I agree. And I think if they put the same work in as a medical professional, as the people who are inherently interested in their their health, as if their life depends on it, right? Because it really does. Um, I think we'd have a lot, a lot more better doctors there. Like again, I worked for a doctor for seventeen years. His name is Doctor Rosenfeld, and he wrote a book called Doctor What Should I Eat. Now this is nineteen ninety five, and this is um, when people don't have a. Uh, where carnivorism you didn't have leaders of the meat militia like like bart or you guys like you you know who are turning people's life around but i read this book and i took a year and i lost 65 pounds uh because of some some things that were in it and and they're saying this is good for me i'm trying it and i'm like okay this is working i like this you know like salmon like omega-3 or like fish oil or whatever on uh, that seed oil but um dark chocolate or the the afro is it an aphrodisiac no, I tried it. You know, I mean, I, I use my body as an experiment because I spent my whole life ruining it. So I'm like, what the hell <laughs> right now? Why not? Right. You spend your whole life ruining your body. So you shouldn't expect results right away. But I think it was worth the read because what he said was work, what works and what doesn't and what works for you and what doesn't. It was like the subtitle of Dr. Wachetti and it was on the bestseller list, New York Times, um, and is what turned my life around. But now for the people that want to continue to educate themselves, right? For the people that want to continue to know more. And for the people that know that you have this finite, finite amount of time on this earth that can be a good time or can suck, right? And if, and I, like I told you before in the last podcast, if it sucks, you have to fight like hell to change that as if your life depends on it. And that's why I'm really, really enjoying having you on this podcast for that. Um, anything else you wanted to say about uh, what to look for when someone says study show, like if people want to read the studies? 
Or did we cover it all? Um, did, we, did we exhaust it? I, I think so. I think just realize that they are, you got to look for who's, who's really paid for the study and mm. what they want the study to show. Hmm. Yes. Because, you know, who, who are they financed by? Who, who, who has financed this study? You'll find often that they've been financed by the, the, the food industry or, you know, somebody who wants to pretend that, you know, Doritos are healthy or you, you, perhaps the Seventh-day Adventists. You know, if you look into um, the history of the Seventh-day Adventists, right. which is you know, a, a huge um, subject really to go into, but where it's come from. And they, they, they sit on all these sort of dietary councils and whatever, and they have a huge bias. And when you see where that comes from, which is just <laughs> probably the, the faked visions of an 18-year-old religious nutter girl in, in, in the 18th century. Right. And this is where all the whole plant-based thing came from in the West. Right. You can always trace it back to some lunatic religious or spiritual cult. Yeah, but do you see why I keep harping on this? Because I think the more you delve into it yourself, the more that the more closer to the middle you come to informed consent, right? Yeah. Um, don't mean to bring back the the the, the vaccine or whatever, but um, in 2022, the, there was a new a bivalent booster that it would have helped the public to know there was only tested on eight mice, right? Yes, yeah, that's amazing, now, isn't it? If it's only tested on eight mice and I don't know, maybe if you're clinically obese or whatever, and if you feel like you've had good luck with the other, and if you trust the medical, uh, there's a level of trust in this and that, and, but you know it and you, and you take it anyway, good, that's on you. But to do to say, this is tested on eight mice, but no university is going to accept your application, you can't, you can't attend school unless you have this, this booster, is, is, is unfair. And I think yeah. and I think the reason why we're uncomfortable talking about this is because there's a power dynamic that doesn't like this conversation to take place, which, by the way, the end of this conversation I'm putting in the beginning, uh, like <laughs> like in the middle where we started with Melissa, I'm putting that in the beginning and, and then everything else is going to be segue to this, because I think for for rhythm purposes, I mean, you, you're you're the dancer here and you're the drummer, man, you get you got the beat and you certainly march to the beat of your own drum par for the course inside joke um, that I respect and appreciate. But I think that'll work for the podcast. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.